when you're an athlete and you can't do the thing that you love, everything becomes pretty all-consuming. I was in a nightclub or I was out partying. So that was my upbringing really, is uh, prioritising partying and social life. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. The, the end result of that, and I've seen it many times with many athletes, is you get to the end of the journey and it's like, well, what was all that about? And what did you actually get from it? Although we're involved in the sport, Nick is an athlete, myself as a coach, fundamentally we're just massive fans of it and we just love helping people in whatever capacity and just live life in a full way. Hey everybody, Morgan Lattimore here. People call me Coach Morgan, the people's coach. I'm a Marine, I'm a triathlete, I'm a coach, and I'm a family man. And you know what? I like having real conversations with real people. I want to talk to people that are willing to have the, the hard conversations, get down deep and dirty on things that they don't tell anyone else. Because who are those people that avoid the real questions? They still have a long way to go. But the people on this podcast are willing to go deep and let you know who they really are so you can grow from their experiences. Well, another day, another podcast, another amazing experience with some amazing people doing amazing things, talking about moving forward, right? We got Nikki, we got Bex out there. Nikki is a pro triathlete out there guiding athletes at the Paralympics. Bex is a Paralympic coach. You talking about a force to be reckoned with, a power couple. They're making changes in the world and we're gonna talk about the changes that they've made in their lives over the years, how they got together and everything they tend to do in the future. Nikki is racing next week in the Ironman World Championship in St. George. Here's my conversation with Nikki and Bex. How y'all doing? Yeah, well, great, thanks. How are you doing? I think we might be getting some weather like you are. Like, you know, y'all get the, you know, the cloudy days. But it, what's been crazy in North Carolina, it's been like 70 degrees during the day and 27 at night, right? Well, you have a t-shirt on and uh, we don't. So I'm going to say it was probably a little bit warmer. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the house, though. I got the heat on. The, you know, I got my heat on on, on 75 <laughs> we, we are we are fully in the throes of a British winter at the moment. We've had ice every morning this week. It's been lethal. That's crazy. I don't even. I go hiking a lot and like camping. I don't mind it. I don't like ice though and snow. Like it, I don't mind it being cold outside. But the other stuff that Mother Nature can actually keep that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah agreed. How is everything else going on in your life? Like, how has your day been going? Like, what did you do today? <laughs> oh man. Uh, not a great day, my end. Let's talk about Bex's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, since you said that, we're coming back to you. Bex, you go first, and then we'll come back to Nikki. My my day has actually been um, a pre pretty normal day at work. So um, for those of you that don't know, I, I work as the lead power triathlon coach for British Triathlon. Okay. So most of my day is spent coaching power triathletes out of Loughborough in the UK. And so today has been a balance of, of kind of meetings with various sports science medical um, teams and then coaching with with athletes so that's a pretty pretty normal day for me yeah Nikki's had a, a less successful day so she's currently struggling with a bit of an injury so she planned to go oh to Nikki 
triathlon problem, so I'll let her explain her day. Yeah, First, hold on. We are, we had that we we had some you know some text messaging going back and forth, and and I've been following you for probably about a year now. You don't know <laughs> it, but I've been following you for a while, right? Because you, I like your colors, and you like I like your energy. I don't, and you know what I mean. <laughs> and then, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. You are a guide, I right? Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, from 2019 to kind of last year, end of last year, really. Right. It's one of the reasons why I started following you. My sister was born with no eyes. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Right. And so when I saw, I always wanted to be a guy. So I, I followed you to see what you're doing. But like, you're knocking it out of the park. But with that being said, we go back to social media and we talk about this injury that you're you're you're, you're working through and this, this medical stuff. And I'm finding it hard to understand why you're having issues with that today when you should be resting. Oh, yeah. So I haven't been training. Uh, okay. Okay. There we go. Oh, that's where I want to get the clarification. <laughs> yes, I haven't been training. So I'm off training and I was due to get, uh, we've had a, a bit of diagnosis now on what, what we're dealing with. And I went, I was planning to go to London for an injection today. Um, we live in Loughborough, which for anyone who doesn't know, we're probably from the actual practice about a four hour travel into London. Um, and Bex couldn't come because she's uh, working. So Bex's dad kindly drove from his, which is like two hours-ish away, had an awful journey because part of the M1 was closed. Got here, we literally got off the drive, get a call from the secretary going, Lorenzo's ill, so he can't make it. And I was like, no, literally, um, I've been waiting for this injection for ages. Please <laughs> <laughs> um, come in. <laughs> and, but yeah, obviously he couldn't. So it's been a day of finding someone who can do the injection ASAP. So I've got someone booked in for tomorrow, which is a relief, but it's basically been a day of stress. <laughs> right. They couldn't get, I mean, it's an injection. Did, did the doctor have to be there for it? Yeah. So I'm having a sports doctor, uh, an ultrasound, an ultrasound guided injection. So yeah, so I now have that tomorrow. But when you gear yourself up for the road for recovery and it's delayed a day, day doesn't sound much, but it's taken me eight weeks to get a diagnosis of what's going on. So a day is a lot. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to tomorrow, but I'm not going to get my hopes up now. <laughs> uh, 2022 hasn't had the best start, but can only get better, hopefully. Yes, but we're in 2022, so that's a good start. You know, we, yeah. you know so, um, some people didn't make it this far, so gotta, like it's, it's relative, I guess. You know what I mean? Exactly, yeah. I think when you're a, when you're an athlete and you can't do the thing that you love, everything becomes like pretty all-consuming, uh, and that's not to downplay kind of uh, Nikki's injury. But you're you're absolutely right in the grand scheme of things, it's um, you know it, it's relatively relatively small. But uh, yeah, it's pretty all-consuming at the moment for Nikki. So um, I think it's just because yeah. it's in an awkward place. So it's my high hamstring and I've got a lot of neural issues going on at the same time so basically it's my whole hamstring that's now starting to shoot down into my calf so it's just it, it's not so much just the training it's the walk in the dog which I love to do it's the kind of a day-to-day -day life uh like just sitting is uncomfortable so yeah so I just want to be in a, a less painful situation so yeah it's just an awkward place to pick something up yes uh, and let's let's kind of uh, deconstruct then so earlier in your year did did you have any glimpses of like something was going on? Like, because it seemed to me, if I'm looking at you through social media, that things were going pretty well most of the year last year. Yeah, it's going great. Um, and then uh, I came home between two races, um, 
picked up COVID in the four days I was back in the UK. Picked up COVID four days before my last race of the season. And I came down smack really hard of it and had pretty much like 10 days completely flawed on the sofa, uh, which kind of was the start of stuff, really. And that was in October. And then, yeah, this this has uh, just developed since the end of November, which hasn't been great, but um, got to the bottom of it now. Mm. And then w- w- was it like, I guess when you coming back from the COVID, do you feel like that was a symptom from like this lack of uh, physical activity or maybe from COVID itself? Completely unsure. Uh, like, because if I'm on an off, a normal off season, I'll have time off, but I'm moving. Okay. Um, obviously, wasn't really looking at posture. And then um, actually, when I pull it out there on social media on Monday, a lot, I'm, I literally am not exaggerating when I say between 50 and 100 people got in touch saying they've had a lot of neural issues post-COVID. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, I think um, go with the flow, see how the rehab goes. Man. Yeah, pretty much cancelled my January camp when I was planning to go away. And I was like, yeah, I'll be fine by the end of Jan. So we booked a five-week camp to go from next Saturday, from the end of Jan to, like, a bit of mu- into the March. So, yes, yeah, so just trying to get myself in a place to get over and um, start the rehab there in the sun because it's too cold here. Yeah? have a recovery plan now so a plan is easier to deal with <laughs> you guys are partners right yeah yeah how long have you guys been together oh you're laughing nearly 10 years <laughs> nearly it, it, it is actually a running joke because we've this year will be a, have been engaged for six years. <laughs> You've been engaged for six years. What WTF? <laughs> Hold on. Who fault is that? Who fault is is, is it a dual thing or is it like one person? No, we we collectively blame the sport of triathlon because every time mm. we we, uh, we get some money put aside that would go towards the wedding, there's then always the the conundrum that you face with of do you, do you spend a load of money on a wedding or do you spend a load of money on triathlon and it's generally triathlon that ends up winning that fight. <laughs> I need to fly to St. George. Um, yeah, ah, that's the same price. I think we're going to St. George. <laughs> so it's like that investment is huge. Uh, so you do have to be a bit business savvy and, and choose kind of, you know, return of investment, what's the right place, places to go to and prioritize. Um, and then obviously buy a house, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, which is really difficult when I'm on self-employed, uh, so they like, oh, you're retiring at 40. I was like, yeah, but I work after. Plus, I'm not retiring from the sport at 40. Uh, so it kind of like throws in and it's like, oh, okay. So you've got to put this massive wad of um, deposit down. So yeah, so yeah. Just life, basically. Life Morgan. takes life. life. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get in short, life. We have, we, <laughs> we have semi-found a venue, but uh, we've always said our wedding's going to be called the Gay Games. And part of the Gay Games... <laughs> <laughs> I would like uh, basically like a games field. So I want it like classy okay. like ceremony, uh, but Titch is going to be our ring bearer. Um, okay. That's our dog. That's our dog. But, yeah. So um, we're on a bit of a ticking time bomb because we she's anywhere between 12 and 14 years old. So we need to hurry up a little bit. Sound like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We've got. Well, hold on. Uh, what? What are the games though? Like, hold on, it's, it's the gay game. So, like, it's, yeah. is this like a, like a bachelorette or, or, or party where they have these weird games that are out there? Like, what is the gay games? Like, tell me about that. 
So I envisioned a formal, everyone arrives formal, formal ceremony outside. And then this is, the tricky bit is where to put the gay game bit. So we're going to have games like sumo wrestling, bounce castle, you know, like all the games you can think of at fun fair. It's going to be there. And then we'll have the sit down, nice meal on a marquee. Uh, we'll have like picnic stands, um, basically unlimited food all day. Don't want anyone to be hungry at any point. And then we'll have like the normal wedding tradition of the speeches and that kind of stuff. So yeah, so we have a very rough ballpark. Bex only has one thing she definitely wants. And that was what jazz band. No, still pan pan. In essence, when we get married, it's not really too much about the the wedding. It's it's more about the party and the celebration of okay, that's what it sounded like. I didn't hear a wedding part at all. Yeah, I just no, heard yeah. I just heard eat yeah. games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And that's the key. I, I actually. Yeah. No, so I love food. I'm a foodie, right? And you oh, like eat all day. I was like, hmm, how do I get over there? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> like that's a that's a thing in itself. Well, Bex, like you know, as you look, you know, we're talking about her, you know, going through this cycle of unknown, and you know. As partners, you know, when we look at our spouses, like what is, how does that make you feel that you can't do anything, right? <laughs> it's, su- it's super tough. And yeah, I think there's the logical side of my brain, which goes, this is just part and parcel of being an elite athlete and people out there are facing way worse. But then just knowing how hard Nikki works and how passionate she is about the sport and uh, the aspirations she had for this year, you know, she she can elaborate more, but this 2022 is the first year where she has the opportunity to purely focus on her career. Previously, she's always combined that with guiding and supporting others. And so this year was, it is set up to be her first year to fully focus on just, just her and being a professional athlete. And so when, you know, when you're hit with, it, you know, the start of the year being, being injured, that's, that's really tough. But I also know that that potential doesn't just disappear. Um, she's got a great career ahead of her and lots to still achieve. And so really for, for me, it's just about supporting through this real tough time, but but also knowing that there's great stuff still to come. And that's that's what excites us. And that's what um, keeps us kind of hanging on in there and motivated. And we are um, off to the sun next weekend. And we, yeah, hell's to be off on training camp next weekend even though Nikki may not be able to do too much but um, right. I'll just be able to at least sit in the sun <laughs> yeah and then wrong with that you need, you need that vitamin D right you, yeah. you get from you get that positive energy going through you it seems like y'all do this so you're a very well-spoken couple for sure I really <laughs> enjoy that it's good it's good it's like you know you talk to certain people and you gotta like let me pull all this information out of you but when you talk to you guys and it's like you really have thought about the questions that I've never given you. <laughs> well, and we also have no filter, so I, well, I don't anyway, so you can literally ask me anything like that, whatever. Yeah, you'll, you'll struggle to shut Nikki up at the best of times. So. Yeah. Oh, ain't nothing wrong with that. And how does that work for you when you don't want to hear her talking? <laughs> I just move upstairs. I just go to the <laughs> Well, we're quite lucky because, like, you know when, like, you do need your own space in life? Right. Well, Bex is the morning person and I am not, so she gets her time to herself in the morning. And vice versa, Bex has got that weird sleeping thing that she can just go to sleep like that or just literally passes out of sleep. Anything after eight o'clock and I'm like 11, half 11 person to bed. That's when I, I prefer to, to get my sleep. 
So we both have our own little time in just naturally, really. Bex will come back sometimes buzzing from her morning run and I've just woken up bleary eyed and she then wants to be really productive. I'm like, go away. Like, <laughs> there's no way I have um, productive, meaningful conversations at 8am. <laughs> well, like today I was meant to go off for my injection. Won't talk about that again, small point. <laughs> and Bex was going to work. And she was like, should I wake you up at 6am to say good luck? And I was like, if you do, I'll, get, I'll literally punch you. <laughs> Why would I up at 6am? Just text me. It's the same. Bex, <laughs> <laughs> do you do try too? Or are you just, I'm assuming the triathlon brought y'all together in some way, shape or form? Yeah, what does that look so like? Bex you was know? the first person to meet me when I was like, yeah, I'm going to take up triathlon. Yeah, so I, I started triathlon, like, initially as a competitor. So I competed from about the age of 15 through to 21. And at 21, I met Nikki, or maybe 20, actually. Yeah, it's very specific days. I know. And um, <laughs> it's, all, it's all in the memory bank. Um, and I was just finishing up kind of racing myself um, and was, was transitioning into coaching and uh, and met Nikki, who had come from an elite rowing background um, and was just this kind of bundle of energy who was like, I- I'm going to be a professional triathlete. And I was like, okay, great. Um, let's help you out with this swimming side of things that you say you need help with. And um, she jumped in the pool and couldn't really swim a length. And I was like, okay, there's Bex some like, work to do here. Yeah, Bex, like, go swim a couple of lengths. I was like, lengths? Maybe a length. Maybe <laughs> you bite off two more. You she, she's telling you like you're already swimming. It's like I'm trying to figure it out actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she was yeah the age of 24, I think it was something like that, um, and hadn't really you know got a swimming background. So pretty immediately there was there was some um, pretty hard yards to to gain in the pool and just technical understanding and stuff. But no, to answer your question, I I don't compete. Um, anymore, I I coach and um, but she runs about ten hours a week. I run. I um back in it would have been twenty fifteen now. I think I set myself a New Year's resolution as people often do in January, um, and it was to to run every day for a year. Um, and I've basically continued that on since since then. So I I run every day more for just headspace and just it's something I like to do. Um, and it, it keeps me fit and out of trouble. Um, so I do that, but I don't compete in triathlon anymore. We usually run a lot together. Mm-hmm. I I usually, in the past two years, have run a substantial amount to allow us to spend some good time together running. And some of our best friends are, you know, our closest friends, we go off running in the Peak District and do a lot of trail running, adventure running. In December, we were, or they went and did it, but running the Jurassic Coast and run walking the Jurassic Coast. Like we love stuff like that alongside triathlon, like just a lot of fun stuff, which just helps fitness, but in a different way. Yeah. Up here mental. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we need that kind of stuff. And I do a lot of trail running. Bex does a lot of trail running. We live right on the trails here and yes, yeah, spoiled for choice of, of trail running. So yeah, running is definitely our preferred sport after over the free. And definitely, like, we're in the future going to, like, ultra running and the extreme kind of run challenges, definitely. Mm. Over the last few years, the, the ultra running community has um, has really exploded in the UK. There's lots of people uh, doing it, lots of events, and it's it's great. Like, we have lots of countryside and, like Nikki says, trails and, and, and stuff to do, so... So yeah, it's really good to just explore on foot and see parts of the parts of the country, parts of the world that you'd never normally get to see 
you know, if you were driving or, or riding a bike. So yeah, we really enjoy it. It's our, it's our escape and our, yeah, happy place. In fact, yeah. our Gay Games wedding is likely to be in a location in the Peak District, which is near us and anyone living in the UK will know where that is. It's like a, where we go uh, and do our long runs and long runs, anything between two and four, four and a half hours in the peaks. Not all running like a bit of run, some of it you actually can't run. And we said the day after our Gay Games wedding, we're going to set up an ultra marathon event. Uh, so that it would uh, suit nicely being in the peaks. I don't know how that's going to go over after your party. Uh, yeah, <laughs> There's going to be a whole other dynamic to being feeling fat and then, you know, being inebriated from the, the liquor and all the food all day. Uh, <laughs> then going and running the ultra it should be interesting. I think the way to go is just carry it on. So the way to do it is, you know, say you go to bed at one, two, three, wake up and just start slowly eating and sipping back on the booze and just stay in that state. <laughs> it sounds like you've thought about this you can. <laughs> a, couple, yeah, no. a, a couple of times. Next, like first for you, this is the same question for you, Nikki. After she gets done, is like, what was your upbringing? Were you because you, you talked about swimming like you've been doing it most of your life? Um, did your parents have you in there? What did that look like? Yeah, so for, for me, I grew up in the north of England in a in a town called Doncaster. I kind of like most children at school played team sports and uh, a bit of tennis, a bit of hockey, a bit of netball. And probably around the age of 11, I uh, joined the local swimming club and just found that I had a natural affinity with with swimming and really enjoyed it. And my parents had always ingrained a really strong work ethic and swimming very much rewarded that that work ethic. You know, the more you put in, the more you got out. And so I swam competitively from the age of 11 through to 15 where I kind of got bored, you know, the classic swimmer syndrome of bored of following the, the black line on, on the bottom of the pool. And a friend introduced me into triathlon. I was fortunate that I came into triathlon with a swimming background. And I think particularly with ITU racing, which is which is what I was doing, draft legal, the draft legal side of the sport, that's a real benefit because, it, it, you know, you come out at the front of field if you've, if you've got a strong swim background. Right. And the endurance, you know, the meters that you accumulate as a as a youngster, swimming in, you know, in swimming clubs, swimming ten hours a week around school and stuff, that certainly helps when it comes to triathlon as well. So, so yeah, my background was was very much swimming and and a little bit of team sports. But Nikki was was quite different. I very much was not a swimmer. So I swimming <laughs> when I met Bex at like twenty four years old. I wasn't a cyclist either. So I'm very late into the sport of triathlon, but okay. I was. I was doing athletics as my main sport, uh, more for the social life, but not serious, nothing serious. Like, and you know, I was actually pretty, not a lazy athlete, but like I dropped down my distances thinking it'd be easier. But it wasn't. No, that ain't how that works. No, <laughs> I you learned that and I was like, oh no, can I go back up? And I was like, oh no, I can't now. But I went, I dropped down from like your 15 to eights to fours. So that 400 is grim. Four and any, any distances. I was more like the party goer. I went out a lot, like five times a week. I was in the nightclub or I was out partying. So that was my upbringing really is uh, prioritizing partying and social life. 
didn't really get any taste of elite sport until probably my second year at uni when I took up rowing and I didn't row in the past either. So yeah, so that was my first taste when I was like 20-ish years old. But I never like grew up thinking I want to be an elite athlete, not at all. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. To be honest, I didn't even nearly go to uni, but one of my friends who did athletics at the time was like, oh, let's just go to uni and, you know, have a great social life and do some athletics. And I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. At 18 years old, <laughs> you know what you want to do. people were like, oh, I'm just going to go straight into work. And I was like, oh, no, that sounds terrible. I'll go to uni and delay work for three years. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I nearly actually got kicked out of first year because I just partied so hard. And I can remember when we had to hand in our first assignment, uh, they were like, all oh, right, okay, on your laptops. I was like, laptops? I was like, I don't, I don't have a laptop. Um, so I was like, oh, Nick, are you killing me? <laughs> and, you laptop. and then our first assignment, me and our friend just did not bother at all to like read what was going on. And we just went out party and handed it in. They were like, oh, where's like all your bibliography and stuff? And I was like, what? What are you on about? Yeah. So quickly had to knuckle down because at the end of my first year, I nearly got kicked out. So kind of knuckle down in life in my second year at uni, really, and took life a little bit more seriously than I had been taking it. But I think, I think like, you know, just through those, those two stories there, um, in many ways, our, our upbringing when it came to sport couldn't have been more different. I, you know, as, a, as an 11-year-old, mm-hmm. 11, 11 I was super focused on swimming. You, know, you didn't really have a social life. Morning, preschool, after school, I, I was swimming. Um, and Nikki came to it much later. But my, my reflection on that and when I, you know, when I speak to young athletes who are aspiring um, to, to, you know, to go on and be professionals, there definitely has to be a balance there. You know, I got to the age of 21 and I was just so burnt out from being so intense. And particularly when you look at the sport of triathlon, um, it's such an endurance event. It takes patience and time. And if you, you know, if you don't have that life balance, then very yeah. quickly you find that you just, you know, you burn out. And um, I think to be fair, Nikki probably did it the right way around. <laughs> But I, it, it sounds like one the gay game sound like her early years, yeah. right? So that that's the first thing that jumps out at me when, it, when you yeah. talk about that. And then you 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 understand how to commit to things. Yeah, right? that's that's another thing. So you, you might have been partying in the nightclub, but that's that's the same vigor that you use for training for triathlon. Yeah. So you got some life skills from that adventure. Hundred oh, percent. Yeah. yeah. And I wouldn't have gone to uni had not, hadn't my friend like persuaded us to go for the party life and kind of my granddad always says it like uni made me really because I was just a bit of a drunken waster going into uni like had no direction someone said what do you want to do in life I was like I have no idea and yeah uni shaped kind of the path that I've now ended up on really your granddad your grand, uh, what was his a uh... What was his relationship to with you in your life at that time and now? Like, or is he is he still with us? Or yeah, yeah, my granddad. We actually went down to see them at the weekend. Say hello. Um, he's gone deaf, which is is taken us a year for him to get a hearing aid. Hmm. So it was a bit of um, and he was like, "Oh, don't know where the batteries are. Oh, it seems loud in my ear." And I was like, "Put it in. You can't hear us, and I'm a loud person." <laughs> Um, so yeah, so yeah, he's always been, uh, really important. Both my grandparents being really important part. They're like, almost like my second mum and dad. Um, yeah. so yeah, they've been following everything I do all through my life. Um, and that, that again is something that we need to hurry up our wedding a bit because quite a lot of 
Our older <laughs> relatives are not going to be able to travel around pretty soon. Yeah. And Titch, we don't know how long she has. You got all kinds of stuff going on. You got the grandparents, you got the older dog, you got the I gay know. games. and Tex had a bit of long COVID as well. Like, you were fatigued for ages. She actually got, like, full-on flu two weeks after having COVID to the point we were meant to go to a friend's wedding. Bex comes down with like full on flu and thinks she's got COVID again. So, and that was at the time where we had to PCR test. So we we're like waiting for a PCR test to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so she's not been ill. She's been ill about twice in the last 10 years. And then she's been ill with COVID, then two colds in the, over 10 weeks. I was like, this is enough. Like, she was like, oh, I think I've got a sore throat. And I was like, just get out of the house. Literally. You've got COVID and then an illness and another illness. I was like, just leave. You know, you know what's crazy, Bex, right? But Nikki, it, it's like it's when it's like having an athlete, right? Until you have a certain athlete with a certain ailment, you're really not an expert in it. But when you get that athlete that has dealt with this issue that you've never dealt with before, you become an expert. And then when when you talk to y'all about this, I'm telling you with, about COVID, it's like man, like how much COVID have they been experiencing uh, you know, over there? It's like, it's, it's- the, I think the UK has, to be honest, has gone a, a little bit mad with it. And um, like, I'm, a, I'm a bit fed up of talking about it, to be fair. But I cannot tell you what a breath of fresh air it was when we travelled to St. George for the 70.3 Worlds. Um, so nice just to like live normally. <laughs> so we literally went to the Paralympics, came back here for five days, here being the UK, and then went to St. George. And you could not have a more strict environment than the one we were in at the Paralympic Games. Like, we were bound to a corridor. This is when we got into Tokyo itself. The start area for the triathlon was approximately 200 metres away from our hotel, but we couldn't leave our hotel without being police escorted. We had to be driven to a local pool of where we would swim there for an allocated slot and you had to run on a treadmill there. You couldn't go out for a treadmill run. You couldn't leave the the hotel for a walk. You couldn't, yeah, you had to do all your biking inside. Um, As soon as your event was over, you had to get escorted back. Like there was no going out of this hotel. And obviously we were in that environment, not just for the week leading into the games, but also a pre-holding camp as well, Miyazaki. Which actually we had more freedom, but little things like obviously you're in heat and humidity, but you couldn't stop at a local shop and get fluid. Mm-hmm. Which then you had to have staff to come out and follow you um, and provide you fluid, or you had to do like a loops and come back to the hotel, get fluid, go back out. Um, so yeah, by the time we got to St. George, we were fed up of COVID. We were fed up, yeah, we, we were embracing the freedom. Bex, you got to go to the Olympics? You got to go over there with them? Yeah. So I know they were strict about coaches and stuff too. Yeah, we were really fortunate that, um, that yeah, the, although the regulations were super strict, the Japanese uh, local organi- organizing committee still enabled, you know, full complement of staff and athletes to travel. So, I, yeah, I was out there as a member of the coaching staff. Uh, Nikki was out there as a guide. And, um, yeah, we managed to, to, to kind of, deliver the race uh, or the various races and whilst it was a, a bit of a different experience to what we would have hoped by way of there weren't any crowds or supporters or anything given given where we we're at the previous year where it got it got postponed we were just really grateful that athletes got to race and and showcase all the hard work that they put in over the last you know four or five years so right
Nikki, like, what made you start doing the guide? How did that come about? Like, what, did you just say, oh, I'm going to be a guide? Or because it was it because of Bex? Or it was like, is this something that you want to do? Like, I want to do it because I've seen Nikki do it. I ain't going to lie. I want to do it because she does it. And then, like, I grew up around blind people in general um, because of my sister. And I, I want to, I, I just, I need somebody not as fast as your, your teammate, though. As a whole experience, like going to the Paralympic Games is probably one of the most amazing things you can do on so many levels. I'd love to go to the next Paralympic Games as well. But yeah, so I got into it, a, I'm going to be honest, like a mixture. So we used to live in Scotland and anyone who knows me, I hate the cold. Uh, and we were meant to go there for two years whilst Bex got an apprenticeship coaching role. She kept getting bloody promoted. And so got God, Bex, what are you doing over there oh, achieving yeah. things? I was going to say, promoted, and I was like, when are we leaving? Um, mainly because we're like quite family and friends, friendship groups and stuff, and everything was so far removed up in Scotland. Okay. Um, so I was hating life while I was back to getting promoted. I was like, right. So I had enough as enough and kind of spent half my time with my parents in Cheltenham and half my time in Scotland. And then five years later, oh my God, I was like, right, if this relationship's going to work. So I kind of put my foot down a bit and was like, is there any other jobs coming up? Literally, the next day, this the job Bex is in came up. I was like, oh, my God, go and get it. <laughs> <laughs> so she applied, got the job, um, and then literally one of their first projects was to uh, recruit guides for Tokyo. Look at that. Like, her, how her achievements actually helped a whole yeah, lot. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was something which... Um, when when that opportunity came up, it just really, I guess, um, yeah, it, it just kind of spoke to Nikki's values, you know, as a person and the opportunity to kind of combine her individual aspirations, but also um, help someone achieve, you know, someone else achieve their own aspirations within the sport as well and be part of that journey. You were, you were really drawn to, weren't you? And yeah, and there's so much you get around it as well, like the team element, um, yeah, there's and the practitioners, the, all the team support, not just the teammates, but like literally all the staff and everyone with it from admin to other coaches to nutritionists to psychologists to physiologists. The whole team element really drew me in because that's the bit I loved about rowing was the team element and having that. And, you know, like I've stayed on and I've, I've stopped guiding for the time being, but um, I've stayed on in terms like we're going on camp from next week with the Paris squad. And yeah, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, so yeah, I've stayed on and carried on training with the team because yeah, essentially the the athletes I, I love training with. Yeah. It is crazy, you know, Nick, it is crazy how like we always have this, this predetermined place where we think we need to go. Um, and we try to, it's almost like most people, we try to force it. Like I want to be this, so I think I need to do A, B and C. And like you were seeing, you know, her journey, uh, Bex's journey as getting promoted. And you're like, man, like, okay, you're doing all this, but it's crazy if we just let life happen, right? If we, we just kind of like go with the flow, how things turn out and who would, you know, who would you even be if you hadn't done the guy? Like, think of, you know, what you got from that. You didn't, you can't make this stuff up. And sometimes we're, we're so busy trying to force it, force it, force it. And I've seen that in, t- in your post on, on Facebook. Where you was like, I, I, I got to try to work out. I got to try to run. And then you, you said, okay, I'm going to stop forcing it. And I'm going to listen to what what 
the universe, my body is telling me to do, then I'm gonna back off a little bit, right? And you did that with her. You you, you stopped, you know, guess fighting her, getting promoted, and then you kind of backed off and like, go get it. And then look what the world gave to you. Every time you do it, it brings you some of value. That's what I'm noticing in your in your story. Yeah. I think you know, coupled with that, we're both, you know, very aligned on what we see as being important in life. And, you know, I think it's so easy in elite sports to become tunnel visioned and assume that you have to compromise everything. Um, no, co- compromise other aspects of life and oh, not right, take yeah. opportunities and be really tunnel visioned. But, you know, I think the, the end result of that, and I've seen it many times with many athletes, is you get to the end of the journey and it's like, well, what was all that about? And what did you actually get from it? But particularly within the sport of triathlon where, there are so many different elements to it. Um, and we're, we're both like massive, you know, although we're involved in the sport, Nick is an athlete, myself as a coach, fundamentally, we're just massive fans of it. And we just love helping people in whatever capacity to, to kind of just enjoy the sport to the level that we do. And we always try and take up the opportunities that come up to just, to, yeah, to just embrace the sport, help people and just, I guess, yeah, just live life in a in a full way yeah yeah i think there's a lot to be said about just going the flow like so many people are like so what races are you gonna do this year i'm like i'll just see like sometimes things like i'm not i actually i'm not joking we decided to do st george world 70.3 six weeks before it mm. um a lot of reasons but uh one he- heavy reason to have chosen that was that allison who i was guiding came down with an injury and i knew the paralympic games wasn't going to be what we wanted it to be. It was going to be more of a get around the race rather than compete. So when I kind of established that, I was like, well, what's now? Cause like I was so focused on Paralympics. I was like, well, what's my goal? Like what am I training towards here? So I was like, I've qualified for worlds. I know it's a mission. I'm going to do it. I've decided I'm going to go and do it. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, that was decided six weeks before the race, but there's not many people who'd be like, Oh yeah, let's just go and do it. And then it worked out to be one of my best races. And, it was one of my best races, but a lot went wrong as well. So it left me quite excited. I came ninth there. Um, so yeah, so sometimes the best things come out from the most unplanned randomness. So yeah, so sometimes just don't put too much pressure on yourself and just literally go the flow, especially because there's so many races and that kind of stuff. So like if you pick something up like this, there's always something else to go and do. And actually that something else might turn out way better and might lead to different and better paths in the future. Um, so yeah, so whenever you're dealing with like a setback and something, just don't put too much pressure on yourself and literally just go the flow a bit more. I'm so lucky to be able to host these podcasts, right? Because I get to meet people that I wouldn't normally meet. Um, and you know, even for me, as I am a coach as well, and I try to be a public figure within the triathlon space, what I just was reflecting on why, when you were talking and just how you've been talking the whole time is like for both of you all, you make it sound so cool, so fun. Right. And we, we over, it, it really, I'm telling you, and that's one thing I love about Hoka. Most of the athletes, all the athletes I've ever spoken to that are Hoka athletes, right are very good people I've, I've yet to meet a person from my personal experience that and i've talked to a lot of people you know tim o'donnell and chelsea and all these different people i get to conversate with 
and it's so wholesome, right? I think I don't, I don't know if if Hoka knows that they've done that or they've done it on purpose. But what I realized in meeting you today is like, I take this shit too serious, right? <laughs> and it's some because we 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 remember sometimes in moments, but we forget it as well. But everything you talk, y'all talk with so much passion and so much enthusiasm and so much joy, right? And I know that you probably struggled in the beginning of, you know, the long COVID, right? Um, <laughs> Bloody but, mission. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but if people are listening to this, I just want them to pay attention. You even go back and listen to it a second time and listen to how happy you are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And as always, in the crappiest of times, there's always an opportunity. So like when I was like, oh, my God. You know, because it is high hamstring, so that area, when you think about it, really affects everything. So, like, yes. right, what can I do which is pain-free? And the only thing which was 100% pain-free was swimming. So I was like, right, well, it's my weakest discipline. Let's go and create new challenges. Um, and just little things, like, it doesn't have to be efforts. Like, one of my challenges was, I know some people will laugh at this, but bear with me, like... I find it really difficult to get, you know, when you do that 25 meter no breathing drill. Do you do it? Yes. Yes. Yeah, give it to me. My coach will give it to me right before he gives me sprints. Yeah, which is pretty good. (laughs) It opens your lungs up, but I really struggle with it. So, like, just little stuff like that, just have different focuses. So, yeah, so just that take an opportunity from rubbish time, you know, whether it's one of the three disciplines or it's getting your bike fit and ready really early so that you're not fiddling around with that rubbish in season, which I bet everyone does because, you know, it is a thing. It's like, oh God, three weeks to the event. I need to get my bike sorted and get all the gear. But actually, right. that you know, you can focus on that kind of stuff now. Or, you know, there's loads of different things to focus on. And then um, I think, yeah, sometimes just taking it right back to your fir- one of your first races and why you got into sport. You know, if you start thinking, God, I'm mm. way too seriously, just throw yes. it right back. You know, like I turned up to one of my, well, literally one of my first events I went to at Bex, I turned up with, was it three or four bin liners? Uh, yeah, but it'd be trash bags in America. Oh, so, you know, like a trash bag, which you literally put. Your okay, bag. I was going to ask you what you were talking about. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Bex. Trash bag, a trash bag to others. Uh, I was skint. I could barely, okay. didn't have much money. I didn't have much money. Um, you know, could barely get the entry fee put together. Obviously, Bex has been in the sport before me and uh, I turned up and she was like where's your bag and I was like what bag she's like your rucksack and I was like I can't afford a rucksack I got out my four <laughs> bin liners so like my just general what I needed at the race and my swim bin liner trash bag my run and my bike one and it was all just like Iron Man like Iron Man bags oh yeah. no way no way but more basic, basic than that yeah basic Iron Man bag <laughs> I got no Iron bag Iron Man bag is upgrade <laughs> and I'm talking the Ironman bags, which have your swim, bike, and run gear in, that's an upgrade to what I was using as well. They're quite okay. luxury. They are. I keep those to reuse because I'm quite an organization freak. So, like, before race, say it's a week before the race, I like to start packing my transition, so all the stuff you need for transition in the morning bag. So, like, you know, water bottles, nutrition, Garmin, Garmin mount, any of that kind of stuff, elastic laces. Then I pack my swim, so, like, Anything from anti-chafe to wetsuit to goggles to hat, bike and run. I pack all that like a week before I go. So when I'm going, I know my transition <laughs> bags are packed. So I'll use, say, 
the race previous, Ironman race previous, and keep those bags. And when I go to my new Ironman race, I then just put those bags in, in the new Ironman bags. It's a whole new world, Morgan. <laughs> it's a whole new world. See, I love it sounds complicated and simple at the same time. Yeah. It's like you're taking like five bags inside your suitcase, but I know it's organized. <laughs> It's like Ziploc bags, your your own version of Ziploc bags. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Basically. <laughs> well, I want to before we get away from what we were talking about regarding the time off. The thought that I was having was, we dread the time off. We're like especially athletes, pro athletes, we dread that time off. Yeah. But it's crazy how when we get free of what we think we have to do, how how we can accomplish so much. Oh yeah, definitely. You know the bike fit and. Um, you you know, even thinking about, we take it for granted, but it's it's very it's, it's almost it regrounds us. I and that, I don't think we do that enough. I'm, me personally, and you know, as we talk about swimming and and just being in other countries, uh, Matt Dixon, when I read his first book back in the day, uh, when he talked about his swimming, right, and how he was just like, you know what, I'm no more. I can't do the black line thing, um, and that's a, that's a big thing. Is like really finding that harmony between training and life and making the best out of it. Yeah. And I think with that is the, is the recovery portion of it. Sometimes we're forced into recovery and it's where we are right now, or, or we can plan it and kind of like show our career that longevity that it needs. Uh, and not only by taking the time off and doing bike maintenance or working on swim, it's like, I think recovery is also doing what you do when it comes to running is going outside and doing something else, not being so laser focused. And it's okay to be that. Like you can still, but there's so much of life still happening. And my opinion is if you if you don't have hobbies, no matter how focused you are, you're gonna burn yourself out. I need to tell you about my new hobby. <laughs> okay, I'm listening. Let's go. Starting soon. So I have a Sage Bambino coffee machine. Um, okay, you, have, first you need to explain what that is before okay, we go so have, any further. We have a basic coffee machine which froths milk and has, you know, the function to withhold grounded coffee and make my coffee. Like espresso machine. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Okay. And then I have a grinder. So I have my coffee beans. I put it in, what was that thing called? You basically grind coffee beans. Uh, grind my coffee Okay. Beans. <laughs> so what is the grinder called that grinds the yeah. beans? <laughs> As you can see, I'm not a coffee snob, but I like proper coffee <laughs> But I don't weigh it. I'm not. I just shove it in, like right, right. So I've decided to go back again, and I've got a coffee roaster and green beans. <laughs> this is so you're gonna become a, what they call it a barista, barista, right? Yeah, this is what happens, Morgan, when when Nikki is injured. That and I think like to speak, <laughs> speak to the point you are making, like the sport of triathlon, I find. Uh, attract so many different personalities right and um i've definitely kind of been uh, you know witness to, to athletes who get stuck in so much of the detail of what they believe is the right training method and become so rigid to the point where it just takes away almost you know the reason why they got involved in the sport in the first place and the fun of it and uh i think you know we from our from our experiences the sport of triathlon, the culture of it at its roots, at its core, is all just about freedom, exploration, and just enjoying and using your the environment that's around you to to train effectively. And so whilst 
we will definitely have periods of time where we get stuck into the specifics of training for an event. Um, we, we, that's very much balanced with, you know, just go out, enjoy the environment that you're in. If you get to a hill and you feel good, sprint up it, you know, and, and just using uh, the terrain and, and what's around you, the people that are around you to, to just en- enjoy. Because to, to me anyway, I think, and I, th- I speak, I think I speak for Nikki as well. It's that's that's the joy of the sport. That's that's yeah at the at the heart of it. It's just the great outdoors and experiencing it. Yeah, yeah. Have you have you ladies ever heard of the um, this term called beginner's mind? No. It's like a it's a it's like a, a Zen thing where it's basically you go into every situation, no matter if it's triathlon. Every time you go into it, you go into it with no expectations because mm. you talk about right doing your first race like people say oh i had expectations no you didn't because you didn't know what to expect so you can't have expectations on what you did you had your goals and dreams of what you wanted to do but the reason it was so uh uplifting it was so impactful is because you had no expectations and you were just open to experiencing it yeah and if we could repeat that at every race how much more for everything we do in life how much more will we accomplish? And people that may not grasp it yet, beginner's mind is like when you hear people say, when you're in a relationship, never stop dating, mm-hmm. right? Make that, make every time we see that person or we do that thing, experience it the same way. That, that when y'all decided, uh, when you you saw her like, man, I, mm, I was interested and you was excited and you felt the butterflies in your stomach and you did these things and then you did those things to make that person feel good so you can make them happy. And then we get so far away from that, even in triathlon, that we get so caught up in the technical side, the data side and the expectations that the world of triathlon sometimes forces on you, mm. right? You you get up and you're like, like you, you said this earlier, Max, like, why am I here? Like, what am I doing? I've lost myself when I came here to find myself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think um, it's really interesting you bring up that that, that you know the, the word expectation. And um, I had a just just a reflective experience really over the last month or so of of just how expectation um, and when that's wrongly aligned or you're not you're not necessarily aware of it can really shift and alter like what your actual experience is and it, it, as an example I went and uh, basically did a and it wasn't an ultra marathon race but it was a it was a hundred mile coastal path run uh, and we did it over four days and I did it with a friend called Lucy Gossage who is an ex-professional triathlete some of the people listening to this podcast um, may may know of her, but she was an exceptional athlete and renowned for going to the toughest of courses. Um, and we we started off on this four day uh, trail run, um, and on the fourth day she was she she was struggling. And what she was exceptional at, and I really took um, a big life lesson from her in this. She was exceptional at adjusting expectation hmm. and that enabled her to just enjoy the experience way, way more and, and be very present in, in the moment. And so as an example, we set off on the last day and it was already billed to be our biggest day, you know, we were covering close to 50K that day. And it took us in the first hour, we covered six kilometers. And so you can imagine 
everybody's heads were like, oh my God. We also is... had to drive back home that day. Yeah, we had a big day and, and everybody's heads just dropped and we're like, oh my God, this is going to take forever. And and the chimp on my shoulder was going, what are we doing? We're going to have to get a taxi. <laughs> There's no way we're going to make it back. But but Lucy, um, and it's that athlete mindset and the strength of her athlete mindset, she was just like, oh, well, you know, we've covered 6K and she's already doing the math in her head, adjusting her expectation. And she's like, okay, it's probably going to take us two hours more than we planned. I'll need to pick up X, Y, and Z fuel on the way. And just immediately she was like on it, moved on, didn't dwell on the fact that that the day hadn't lived up to what our expectations were initially. Um, and I think that's a really powerful thing, like just being being able to be present and adjust your expectations in the moment. Because I think when you're able to do that, you can you can overcome a lot of things when you when you dwell on what your expectations are when they're not met it really easily derails you right in so many ways not only physically but emotionally it just takes you away from your purpose exactly you yeah. know the reason you started in the first place that's that normal feeling but okay guys gals we are we are at the end and um You're like you have spoken too much that's up no, you. Have, no, I, I think we could probably talk for another hour, Part right? Two, incoming. Yeah, that, Part I, two I, when it, I'm, it, I'm training. <laughs> yes, I would. I would like maybe we can do something where we can come back to it and see where you are and and see how you bounce back from maybe after uh, gay games or yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe well, we well, could no, maybe I'll come a while for that one. No, we're we're not. Do- we just talked about this in the episode. Okay. I'm telling you, Bex, I'm, I'm, tell- I'm going to help you both out. We just talked about, we can't wait too much it's longer. True. We have to get on top of this. We do. Okay. Uh, I'm, this is, issue. this is the virtual push. Yeah. We have all our friends like guys, you need to sort your life out and arrange it. <laughs> more, more space, so we're going to do it. You gotta do. I'm putting. I'm telling the world they have to do it sooner than later. We have a lot of reasons why, right? And if we're looking at expectations, the only way to achieve something is to actually take action. Yeah, there we go. Right, and that's what we're gonna do, right, ladies? Thanks for yeah. arranging it for us. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'll be there to film, and maybe we could do a live podcast. There we go. Um, next time we had the same race, and I, I will make sure I got you guys information that we we do lunch or something. Amazing. You know, I, we, you like food and and going out. We can. We're not going to the clubs, uh, Nikki, but we can do something club ish. Okay. Okay, and may- maybe. Uh, we can even go find the, the best coffee in the area and see what they have to offer. See so. if it compares to the Bartlett beans. That's what it's called? That's your destiny? <laughs> Bex, what are, what are we getting ourselves oh, into? I don't know. <laughs> this is what I live with. To be honest, I'm probably just going to blow the house up. Like I'll spark the beans and it will set fire to something. I don't know. Don't do that. We don't need... No, let's get over. Let's get through the, the, the recovery period and not go back into something else. Yeah, 100%. Right? We, no, no, uh, well, there's no third or fourth degree burns or <laughs> like that. Uh, but ladies, I appreciate you coming on here and I thank you um, for the very candid and open conversation about your lives. Uh, I hope that you had a good time as well. And that's why I always uh, want to make sure that our guests are very open and, and, and in a safe place where they can be themselves. And I think we accomplished that today. Yeah. Thanks, yeah, thanks, thanks very so much. much for your time, Morgan. Really yeah, appreciate thank it. You. Always great days. Now, that's a way to have a podcast. You have two amazing young ladies doing amazing things in their lives, Nikki and Bex. 
The only energy that I felt was happiness, enthusiasm, joy, and appreciation for the thing they love to do the most, triathlon and adventure. Not only are they doing what they love, that they're helping other people achieve their greatness as well by guiding them and teaching triathletes and Paralympics. These things are what we could also hope to have that type of impact on people's lives and in the industry that we love. My heart is happy. I am full. And I, I hope in the future that I can get to talk to these ladies again and see what their story turns out. And guess what? I may even attend the gay games. See you there. The Beyond Podcast Series brought to you by Hoka and Iron Man.